Leonard here, and I know we all have a couple daily lists. You know what they are. The have-to-do list and the choose-to-do list. To make my daily choose-to-do list, you have to be special. And Papa's Roast Coffee is truly that special. That's why Papa's Roast Coffee is a regular choice of mine and so many others. Papa's Roast owners, Dean and Debbie Chris, take special care to provide a perfect roast on every bean. Sourced from a single origin, the coffee beans are roasted to perfection in small batches, and then, if that were not enough, the beans are packaged and shipped in an eco-friendly bag. Papa's Roast Coffee, from start to finish, has earned a place on my everyday choose-to-do list, and I think they will on yours too. Get your Papa's Roast Coffee at papasroast.com today. Now, to our conversation. Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I am your host, Leonard Lee, and I am excited about our show today. Um, Here's why I'm excited about our show today is because I have a guest that while we've never sat in the same room, we have been interacting with each other for almost 20 years online, 15 or so years uh, through different uh, blogs, uh, through different uh, emails, messengers on Facebook and such. And here's what I've learned about him, uh, even though never sitting in the same room. Uh, here's here's a man, his name's Brian LaCroix, by the way. Uh, here's a man who is um, committed to Jesus in a way that uh, he figures out how to get the work done, and he is not immune to hard work. And so he is he's bivocationally pastor churches, which, by the way, if you have never done that, uh, that is probably the steepest hill to climb as a pastor. Uh, maybe church planning rivals it, but to bivocationally pastor a church um, really means you work full-time at a church for about a quarter of the pay. Uh, here's the other thing that he does. He works hard to uh, to take care of his family, and he extends family to people around him who are in need and does that in gracious, generous ways. And part of what I have uh, learned about him and admire and respect so much is he has a heart uh, for the ministry of Jesus. And that is the disciple making, discipling process in the way that Jesus did. And so Brian, uh, I'm so happy you're here today. Thanks for joining us on Say Yes and Become. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. If there's anything that I missed, anything you want to correct, feel free to do so. Uh, Welcome. Well, thank you, Leonard. I, I think what I really want to do is uh, play back what you just said uh, to my children. <clears throat> so, you know, because you made me sound really cool there, and I I appreciate that. And uh, uh, I, I was going to joke about playing that for my in-laws, but they're, they've passed away, and they really need people anyway. But <clears throat> um, so just a little bit of background. Uh, I uh, live in eastern South Dakota, up in the frozen north, and uh, we just came out of a... Oh, weeks long it seems uh below zero uh temperature thing and blizzards we missed like two weeks of school up here uh but i grew up in western south dakota on the uh, indian reservations my father was a social worker and uh, part of that played a part in my life later Uh, my father was a social worker who often had to remove children or accept Mm. children from abusive and neglectful homes and like today there is a very a huge shortage of foster homes on the reservations and uh, so often those kids would come to my house and so I grew up with uh, foster children at times in my home I saw my dad's heart toward people and um, uh, but uh, then I went to college and met my wife and have lived in eastern South Dakota uh, pretty much all of that time, except for a short time in Colorado for a couple of years. Um, and uh, But my whole life I've done retail. I, I've been doing retail for 40 plus years, and God has allowed me to continue doing that even during my pastorate. Um, so, um, and God has used those opportunities to be able to share Christ with coworkers and uh, even customers at times, if you're careful. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm grateful for what God has been able to do through my limited 24 hours every day. Um, at times I felt incredibly inadequate um, just, you know, trying to feed my family. There's the verse 
in scripture that says that if a man doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, I've taken to heart sometimes, maybe more than I should. Uh, but uh, I want to make sure my family's taken care of. And so everything we've done, everything I've said yes to over the years um, has been to make sure that my family is taken care of and that I can have avenues to either share Christ with people or at least display Jesus to people through my work. Uh, I like the way you say that to display Jesus. Um, it just uh, leads or lends to the the reality that uh, uh, values are lived, not recited. And uh, what a great way to live your life. And uh, so, well, thanks for joining us today. Um, our podcast is called Say Yes and Become, and it comes out of the reality that we just believe that the two most important yeses you can say are from the invitations of God. God says, would you come and be my friend? Just come and be close to me. And then would you join me in things I want done? And uh, you have modeled uh, through your life and through your words even now that that doesn't mean you become a, a mega church pastor. That doesn't mean that you write 27 books. Uh, that doesn't mean that you release four albums and become a rock star. It means that day in and day out, you want to put Jesus on display in your beha- behavior, your love, and in your words. And so uh, thanks for saying yes to Jesus so well. And also thanks for saying yes to us this morning. Um, Brian, I always start with this question. Uh, we can go take the conversation anywhere you want to go. But I always start with this question. Um, what are some significant yeses? that you would say, these are the yeses that I have said to God over the course of my lifetime, pick whatever you choose. And if you would tell us some of the impact of those yeses that you have said uh, to our father in heaven. You bet. So the first one uh, is, was just giving my life to Jesus uh, as a freshman in college. Uh, I grew up in a nominally Catholic home. Uh, My dad was a serious Catholic, um, but um, there just wasn't a lot of emphasis, I guess, put on that. Uh, And I started having questions about things. Uh, I had the very fortunate uh, experience of having some good priests and nuns growing up who weren't afraid of my questions. I, I was honestly seeking answers to some things. I wasn't trying to be rebellious against it. Um, but they never discouraged my questions. They they pointed me to resources, et cetera. But uh, when I got to college in the fall of 1982, um, I just was lost as far as any religious connection really went. And a guy on my floor at the dormitory I lived in invited me to a concert by a Christian comedian named Mike Warnke. I don't know <laughs> if you remember him, Leonard. I do. And I do. Uh, now I'd never heard of the guy. And, uh, and many people listening to this may or may not know who Mike Warnke was or is. Uh, he was a Christian comedian, real big back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, and hilarious. I mean, the guy could make you cry uh, just laughing so hard. But uh, his backstory was that uh, he had been a priest at a satanic coven uh, and that he had had experiences in Vietnam during the war uh, where he, you know, had to kill a spy, shoot a spy. And and, yeah. and anyway, all these great stories. Turns out all of it was fabricated. Uh, none of it was true. Um, and but I didn't know any of that. And that didn't come out for another, you know, eight plus years. Right. Right. But at this concert, you know, who knew? But he spoke truth about Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll share the story very quickly because I'll remember it the rest of my life. He took a girl from the audience and her name was Julie. And he said to Julie, uh, Julie, when you when you meet God, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be in front of the father and Jesus is going to be there. And also Satan's going to be there. Now, whether this is theologically correct, I don't know. But this is what he said. And he said, Satan's going to look at you, Julie, and say, hey, it's just Julie. You know, you know, Julie, she she blew it. You know, she wasn't perfect. She she sinned. She said bad things. And, you know, she's no big deal. It's just Julie. Let me have Julie. He says, but Jesus is going to stand in front of you and say, yeah, but she's mine. And the father's going to say, well, that's all I need to hear. Mm-hmm. And and I just remember sitting there thinking, I want Jesus to say that about me. Yeah. And so I stood up. And the guy who brought me to the concert was all excited. And and uh, 
And right the next morning, we met to talk about the decision I'd made for Jesus. So, And that began really, um, well, obviously a whole new life for me. And then I immediately went home that Christmas and told my whole family they were going to hell and uh, <laughs> how they needed Jesus. Uh, got drunk on Chris on New Year's Eve and uh, totally blew any kind of witness I'd had. Blew all credibility. It took literally decades to get that back within my family. Um, but uh, that was the beginning. Mm. My friend wow. on my dorm floor took an interest in me, befriended me, took me to this concert and became my friend. Uh, we've been friends now for 40 years. He's a pastor in Iowa. Uh, we still communicate, but uh, it's a guy who just took an interest in me and took me to an event he thought I would like. Gosh, and I God used that. that. So, yeah, yeah. So that was the, the first big one, I guess, obviously, uh, New Life in Christ. Uh, a, a second yes um, was in the mid 90s um, during the big Promise Keepers movement. Um, mm -hmm. There was an event in DC, and I believe. It was called Standing in the Gap. And one of the things I, I wasn't there, I watched the, the broadcast um, or the simulcast, whatever they called them back then. And uh, I got really convicted that we didn't pray enough for our pastors. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was not pastoring at the time. I was just uh, happily selling office furniture and equipment. And I was discipling a couple of guys. And, uh, but I started a, a prayer group um in our church to pray specifically pray for our pastors. And so we'd get together on Friday mornings. Well, oftentimes it was just me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one day I was praying for my pastors and the Lord spoke to my heart and he says, Brian, I want you for ministry. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I wasn't praying about that. And he goes, well, you're finally in a position to listen. Mm. You know, and I thought, okay. So I began taking distance learning classes through my denomination and, um, uh, uh, became the interim pastor of a church about a hundred miles away. And so I would just go back and forth on Sundays uh, and really uh, started, you know, cutting my teeth, learning how to preach and learning how to study scriptures for messages and, and things like that. And, um, and then that opened the door for me to become a pastor of a church uh, later. And as you mentioned, it was bivocational. Um, and we can talk more about that in a bit because God did use that in some good ways. Uh, a third yes was yes to foster care and adopting. Mm. Um, I mentioned my father was uh, a social worker and brought foster children into our own home. Uh, my wife has a heart the size of Texas. And um, when she told me that she wanted to be able to foster children and especially sibling groups mm. uh, so that they wouldn't have to be separated, <clears throat> I was hesitant and reluctant um, and God had to do some major work in my heart to even be open to that. Um, and I won't tell it now, but I will tell a story later about how we came to adopt uh, some of our kiddos. We've adopted seven children through foster care. Um, and we have all those seven still living with us. So I'm not the empty nester I thought I would be by now. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's okay. You know, we love our kids. And um, uh, so that's another yes. And then the last one is that main the the main one for the last year is just a yes to working to help congregation members become disciple makers. And mm -hmm. that's um, where my kind of my ministry focus is lately. Um, and I'm enjoying that. There's challenges with that, obviously, um, trying to shake up people to understand that pastors aren't supposed to do all the work. Pastors <laughs> are supposed to help us do all the work. Yeah. And, um, um, but I'm loving it. I like writing. I like talking. Um, I preach occasionally. I'm not in a pastor anymore, but I do fill pulpits once in a while. And, um, um, and that's just enough. I don't need to yeah. be preaching every Sunday. I don't miss, I don't miss being a pastor at all. Um, God told me that that was done and, yeah. um, I was okay with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know what? Those are a lot of great yeses. And, um, the, uh, the, the question that always kind of, kind of follows, or one of the questions that follows is, uh, each step of the way, uh, you describe a moment in which God spoke to you. Uh, he used your wife. He used a friend. Um, he used a time in prayer where you just sat in front of God and he said, now you're ready to listen. So it means you're hearing something. Um, 
uh, he used your own experience of pastoring and and how that led you to understand some things. Um, so my question for you would be, uh, there's somebody listening right now who's going, man, I, I, I wish I could describe uh, what God's voice sounds like or how I heard him, but I can't, and I'm not sure what that looks like. So can you give maybe a pro tip or two for anybody listening who's saying, this is how, this is what God sounds like to me. This is how he speaks to me. Right. <clears throat> First of all, one of the things that I see, uh, one of my models for this is Joseph, um, the father, the earthly father of Jesus. Mm. Um, when you read in the gospels, there were four times you know, right at the beginning where God specifically sent a messenger to Joseph and said, hey, man, you got to do this. And Joseph instantly recognized it as mm -hmm. that was God speaking to him through this angel and then that this was a message from God. And that tells me that he had a relationship with God mm -hmm. that was deep enough for him to recognize that what the messenger was telling him was from God and not just some bad dream after eating an anchovy pizza. This right. was he he just knew it. So he had a relationship with God already. Um, that allowed him to be able to recognize that. Um, other than that, you know, it's just uh, if, if God speaks to your heart and he's and he's telling you something or you feel that he might be leading you in a way, um, you have to run it through the filter of scripture. I mean, is, is what God calling you to do or what you believe God calling you to do is something that um, fits within the character of God revealed through the scriptures? Yeah. Um, Obviously, if God, if you think God's telling you to go rob a bank or have or, or commit adultery or, you know, things like that, that's not the voice of God. That's not right. That's not the Holy Spirit talking to you, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so um, that's part of it. Also recognizing that God, uh, like, for instance, through my wife, um, that when she brings up something like opening our home to children, um, that is entirely scriptural. I mean, Jesus talks and, and scripture talks about how we treat the poor and how and, and the, the fatherless and things. And, and Christians are commanded to not turn away from that. Right. And so what she was saying was right in the right, right, right in the midst of the will of God there. It's just uh, uh, and so I, what can I say? Um, except that, yeah, the Holy Spirit sounds like my wife today. And, yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. But I am honestly not sure really. Uh, you know, test the spirits in first John. Uh, if you feel the Lord is speaking to you, some I when God was calling me to ministry, I wanted to make sure that that wasn't just me getting excited about something. So, right. uh, I talked to my pastors and I talked to people who would laugh at my face. I, I figured I'm gonna go talk to this person, and if they didn't believe it was from God, they would literally laugh in my face and say, You know, who you you got to be nuts. One of them said to me, well, it's about time you got this figured out. Mm, I'm like, yeah. are you kidding me? And she goes, yeah, well, I've known for years that God was going to bring you into ministry. I'm like, well, thanks for telling me, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess other than just, you know, having a relationship with God that includes his word um, and and mentors, uh, godly people around you who can filter things, Um and so if you feel like the Lord is speaking to you and you can filter that through scripture and through other godly people, um, then you can start to recognize whether or not the Lord is the one actually speaking to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. There have been times I thought the Lord was talking to me and I was so wrong and I'm so grateful for it because <laughs> I would have <laughs> yeah. moved ahead on something that would clearly have been wrong to do, not sinful in the sense of that, but just would have been horrible decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, thankfully, he has spared me some of that. Sometimes he's let me make bad decisions because I was just <laughs> foolish. Right. And he let me have it. But Well, he certainly didn't stop you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, yeah. uh, thankfully, the consequences for those were not, um, you know, far reaching as far as um, affecting future generations or anything like that. So thank the Lord right. for that. Right. Well, that is um, that is such a great answer. Um whether it is how the Holy Spirit is using your community, your spouse, the people you love and trust, um, it takes a it takes a lot of um, a lot of commitment, I think, on the part of the the listener to seek out input from others uh, to truly discern. Um, there's no private message I get from God typically, 
You know, there are things that God says to me that he gives me first uh, that need to be verified. And I love, I love the, the idea that God never contradicts himself in scripture with what he tells you. Uh, those are excellent thoughts. And if you're listening to that, uh, write that stuff down because that's uh, that's actually wisdom from a from a guy who's been there and done that and has been listen, listening to God for for over, over 40 years now. And uh, that's pretty cool stuff. So um, now you're in this place where you've been following Jesus for 40, 40 plus years now. You're married. You've got kids coming in, some coming in and out. You've turned seven of those uh, of those um, uh, recipients of God's generosity and hospitality into uh, into your very own children um, and giving them a name in uh, a in a place to live and an identity. Um, you have been listening to God. You uh, listen to the Holy Spirit as he spoke to your wife uh, and just how he made her, but also how she follows through on that. Um, and so uh, my next question might be, you know, you've said yes, you've been listening. Um, so my next question might be for you is uh, what are some what are some small daily yeses? Because some of those sound like big yeses, like, well, you know, God spoke to me on Monday and on Tuesday I was pastoring a church uh, or uh, God spoke to me on on Friday. And by Sunday we had seven kids in our home. Um, right. What are some of those? daily yeses that you say, you know, I find for me to be in the best place to say yes to God. Here's what I need to say yes to on a regular basis. Those small victories, those small places. What are some daily yeses that you would say? This is what I, how I, how I can connect with my father. Right. So a daily yes, or I should say a regular yes that I'm working on and I still struggle with and have struggled with the whole time. is just carving out time for God's word. Mm -hmm. Um, on a regular daily basis. Um, you know, I, I, I was part of the navigator ministry in college. That's how I came, one of the ways I came to Christ. And they have <laughs> a huge them. emphasis on daily quiet times, which I was great. I loved that. Um, but then I heard a, a, a teacher tell me one time that, uh, you know, God won't love me any less if I never have another quiet time the rest of my life. And, and that's theologically true. <clears throat> but that's practically dangerous uh, as far as, because then I thought, you know, I don't need to be in God's word every day, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, and so I just kind of let that go. And I got out of the habit of daily time with the Lord in the, in the scriptures mm -hmm. and in prayer. And so I've been actually fighting for the last number of years to get that back. So the daily yes, uh, or the, just the regular yes of saying, I need Jesus today. It's not like God needs me to meet with him, but I need him. Yeah. And yeah. that will empower me, Lord, to be a better husband, to be a better employee at my job, uh, to be a better dad to my kids, and yeah. um, just to be a better friend to people. So that's a daily thing, you know, just a small yes, so to speak, but it's life-changing. Uh, a second one is, um, I'm going to be good at my job today. I want to be excellent. Mm. Uh, my daily job, uh, I sell mattresses at a local furniture store, and I love it. I This is one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life, and I've had a lot of jobs. Mm. Um, and uh, But first of all, I love retail, have always loved retail. And I'm at a place now, the, the, um, the owners are great, my coworkers are great, we all get along. As far as I know, they all like me. Um, I have a, uh, I enjoy rapporting with customers. I, I like it when they bump into me at Walmart or the street and they say, Hey, we love the bed you sold us, you know, a few months ago or a few years ago. Uh, but, uh, because, um, I, I just enjoy it. I really do. I just, I like being around people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I like helping people find solutions to their sleep problems. Um, uh, it's just a, it's just a fun time. So I, I, and I want to be a blessing to my, to my bosses and to my employers. Um, they, God has used them to help me provide for my family. Mm. And I think it's, uh, it's imperative uh, for me um, to be the best employee I can possibly be. I need to be the best guy um, that that I can possibly be because that reflects the excellence of Jesus. Mm. 
And I want them to be able to count on me for the little things and the big things. Um, but also, and Leonard, I'm sure you've seen this over your time and maybe a lot of people listening to this is that um, if you don't have credibility in the workplace and if, mm-hmm. if you try to share Jesus with coworkers and bosses and things like that, and you don't have that credibility, they're not going to listen to you. Right. And, uh, you know, we got plenty of jerks for Jesus working uh, in the working world right now. <clears throat> and they're, they're bad employees, they're jerks, they're, and, uh, you know, nobody likes working with them. And then when they say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, they're like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Right. You know, because if you're the model of what it means to follow Jesus, I don't want anything to do with it. Hmm. And I've been that guy. But uh, God has really helped me to listen to him more and, and to care more for my coworkers uh, and, and my bosses and I just to be a blessing. So a daily yes, all that to say, a daily yes is to just be the best employee I can possibly be for the people that sign my paychecks. Mm. Um, uh, another one is that uh, I'm working harder on this <clears throat> is just being more friendly with my family. Mm. Um, the um, fostering um, brings challenges that oftentimes aren't there with your own biological children because you're Children are often, your foster children and and adopted children are often from traumatic backgrounds. Well, generally that's the case or they wouldn't have been in the foster care system in the first place. And so how you raise them, how you discipline them, how you talk to them, how you interact with them is oftentimes entirely different than you did with your biological children. And I'm a slow learner. (laughs) Um, And so that's taken me some time. And also um, I just found out last year that I dealing with depression and anxiety issues. Mm. So that's taken me some while. And of course, all of that flows into how you parent and how you be a yeah. spouse. And yeah. so I thank God for things like counselors and even medication. I think, yeah. uh, God works through those things to help me become, uh, a better person uh, that reflects Jesus better to my children and my mm-hmm. wife. I still fail spectacularly on some of those things. Uh, but, uh, God is helping me, uh, I think overcome that. So just, uh, saying yes to, um, you know, just doing what I need to do to be the best dad and husband right. possible. Right. So, um, all those yeses add up, you they know, do. Uh, they, so that's kind of where, where the the big ones the little ones are the main ones that turn into <laughs> big ones <clears throat> well it certainly seems like all of our big yeses are built on smaller yeses yeah uh, and they're significant it's not like you you said well you know i i say yes to two donuts a day uh, right. but if you did it'd be maple and a cup of coffee right <laughs> um but when you describe that um that daily time with god that refocusing uh that uh that, that that pursuit of modeling Jesus with excellence, you know, everything that you said, uh, the way my brain works, I can apply a scripture to your to your pursuit of yes. And so that's that's actually really great. I think sometimes when we when we deal with people with trauma, especially in fostering or or children or youth, uh, we got to remember that while the objective doesn't change, the tools are very different. Uh, you know, the same tools for, for, uh, biological kids versus kids that come through a system that has, has just housed them for the most part, Mm -hmm. you're adding values to the housing now that, uh, are difficult. It requires yeses from them. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, yeses to trust, yeses to wellness. And, and so you, you articulate all those things incredibly well, my friend, and uh, thank you for that authentic answer. Um, especially, you know, as you deal with your own, your own, uh, personal journey of anxiety, depression, um, those are real things. And those are actually tough yeses, um, for a lot of people, because typically we associate a a level of shame with, uh, any of our brokenness. And there are certain levels of brokenness that we go, okay, you know, you need glasses. You and I both are wearing glasses, we kind of go, okay, well, you know, we're aging out our eyes. But when it comes to that personal level of, I 
I got things going on in me that, that create problems that I can't, you know, the spiritual answer is, well, you just need to read your Bible and pray more. All right. But what an impractical answer. And the fact that you say yes to availing yourself to uh, counsel, to uh, a, a, a prescription or whatever it is that allows you to accomplish the goal of being your best with your kids. Yeah. Those are amazing things. And uh, I think they need to be celebrated. And, you know, if you're listening right now, you've heard from a, a friend who is just telling you the real story. Um, and it's a real story of saying, well, there's some things I just got to deal with. Uh, and if yeah. I don't deal with them, I cannot accomplish what God has placed in front of me, what he's spoken right. to my heart. So I really appreciate those those answers uh, that you give. Well, you know, anything anything letters, else you want to say about that? Well, I, I just want to say one last thing in relation to that is that um, maybe a lot of people listening have can relate to this, but, you know, you mentioned it, that a lot of times the answer that we used to get was, well, just, you just need to be, be in the Bible more. You need to pray more. Uh, it's a spiritual issue uh, and it's got to have a spiritual solution to it. And um, it was embarrassing mm -hmm. to mention that maybe you need to go to a counselor mm -hmm. uh, or that um, chemical will be involved. Yeah. And when you it took a while for me to break out of that. And, um, but once I could do that, it was a lot easier to listen to what I really needed. And I'm grateful now that, uh, I did, but it took me years to get to the point where I was willing to break out of that and say, okay, um, whether I'm embarrassed or not, I need someone in, to speak into me, yeah. um, to tell me that I, I probably need help that, uh, I didn't, I wasn't willing to look at previously and yeah. um, God is good in putting these people in my life. Mm. So I'm grateful. Uh, uh, you speak of something really, really valuable, uh, Brian, and that is the role of community or others in our lives to move us to places. I think when you're pastoring, when you're leading Leadership by nature is a lonely thing because you become the tip of the spear for where you're headed. You speak things that are different, uh, that maybe people you have to not only not only convince them it's true, but now you have to put them in a place that that fits the organization best. And um, we have, uh, you know, what's the old saying? Never let them see you sweat. Uh, we yeah. have that mentality in our culture. So would you take a, a second and just talk about the value of community in our ability to navigate the life that God has for us. Yeah. Um, the fact is we're not meant to live the Christian life alone. And, and probably most people hearing this episode have heard that, but it's hard for us to open ourselves up, but we're a body and we need people around us. God made us to need other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Hebrews 10 talks about let us not give up meeting together somewhere in the habit of doing but as but but to encourage each other and to spur one another on toward love and good deeds and all the more as you see the day approaching that's not talking about meeting every Sunday for church mm -hmm. that's saying you need people and mm -hmm. you need people around you you need to be uh, available for others and you and others need to be uh, and you need to avail yourself of others as well, because we need that. God created us that way. Um, and the fact is, I've got blind spots. And um, the Holy Spirit uses people to point those out, sometimes mm -hmm. gently, <laughs> sometimes not so gently, because sometimes that's what it takes for me to get to listen. Um, just the other day, my wife and I had a very tense conversation, and I had to hear some things about myself that I did not want to hear, but I needed to hear. Yeah. And uh, if she hadn't had the courage to tell me those things, then, you know, I can go on and keep being a jerk. Um, yeah. But also we need not just for people to help point out blind spots, but also to encourage us to to let us know, you know, I see God working in you or uh, I've seen how God has done some things or I've seen how God has worked through you in the lives of people or, you know, God used you in my life. Mm. Uh, you said something one day uh, in church, or you said something at work the other day that 
touched my heart or encouraged me or something like that. Uh, and so we get the opportunities for some great feedback both ways. And we can see God using um, e each other in our own lives to shape us to be more like Jesus. And really, that's what it's all about. We got, if we want to have an impact in this world like we think we do, or like we say we do, it comes by us reflecting Jesus well and accurately. Mm -hmm. And we need people around us to help us do that. And sometimes that's bosses. Sometimes that's if you're in a denominational setting, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, district superintendents and uh, all these kind of things, people who can speak into your life that you've submitted your life to, who can speak to you honestly, candidly, yeah. um, maybe sometimes harshly, yeah. uh, uh, or to lift you up if you get beat up. I had a great district superintendent uh, while I was pastoring. There was a time in my pastorate where I had some people who hated my guts and tried to have me ousted. Uh, my district superintendent saw through what was going on, and he was an incredible encouragement to me. Um, and I had some, I did have some things that needed to be addressed, but uh, he was there to pick yeah. me up, to encourage me, to keep me in the fight. Um, and uh, other pastors, and of course my wife. Um, but we need people i guess i'm just not sure how else to say that we need people if we want to flourish in the kingdom if we want to flourish for him if we want to have christ-like character we need other people yeah that's so great brian um uh, one of the things that stands out to me is the the ability to be with people and yet be alone um yeah. or to to not be in community even though i'm with people and there's a distinction between attending church and living in community. And so I like that you refer to uh, Hebrews 10 as not the requirement to be in church on Sundays, which is how it is used often. Uh, you know, you, you got to come to church. In fact, during COVID, that was the, the banner verse for so many. Um, yeah. But the reality of it is, is that, uh, that we're not, uh, the idea is, is in Hebrews especially, is, is that Jesus is better, so let's reflect him. That's the whole theme. And so when when the writer of Hebrews says, uh, don't forsake this, this gathering, but rather encourage each other. And you know, I've got a I've got a person in my life who one of their most common phrases is truth hurts. And uh, I always point back and I go, Well, yeah, but it does a lot more than that. And uh, yeah. you yeah. you refuse to you refuse to acknowledge that. And so for you, uh Truth is your way of interacting in a way that kills community. You know, we need to be encouraged. In fact, that's what it says. Encourage one another. You're already going yep. through hell. Now right. let's encourage each other as we see the, the day that Jesus is going to wrap this up. It's an idea mm -hmm. that we want to help each other finish well. Uh, and right. you finish well by living well. And so I love that you point that out. Um, and so... Uh, there's a person right now who is going, I go to church every week. I never miss. I've got the pins. You know, we had a guy in our church who had all the, I don't know if we well, didn't grow up in the church like I did. They had all the Sunday school pins, perfect yeah. attendance from, you know, preschool on. And we had all those things. Um, yeah. Would you just talk to somebody right now who is listening, who's saying, um, I live in community because I go to church all the time and I go to small group uh, every week, but in reality, they don't live a life of community. They just go to places where that opportunity exists. Mm -hmm. my, my first encouragement to that person would be to say, take somebody from that small group and take them to coffee mm, and just go, that. just go have coffee or have lunch with them. Just get to know them a little bit. And you'd be surprised at how great of a friend that person can be. Um, when you open yourself up to a to an actual personal relationship with somebody that's not defined by what book you're going through or who you're watching in your small group, um, that's huge because then your actual community can grow. And then you can start opening yourself up to people speaking into your life more. Um, <clears throat> so that would be the first thing I would suggest to somebody. Um, also, community is much more than attendance. Uh, community is being part of something and, and interacting with that community. Um, 
the uh, the early church in Acts 2 was a great community. And one of the things that stood out to the outside people was how they took care of each other and how they interacted with each other. Um, you know, they met regularly, they broke bread, they, you know, they listened to the apostles teaching <clears throat> and they met each other's needs. Um, <clears throat> maybe you can do something like a, if there's somebody in your church community that has a need that you can meet, that you get involved in and meet that need somehow. That's a way. So uh, get past the idea that community means attendance. Mm. Like community means participation. And uh, that'll go a long way to strengthening not just community, but also um, just strengthening your own relationships that God can use to help you be more like Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Um, One of our themes for 2023 uh, in the podcast, but also just personal, is uh, building a confident faith. Uh, There's a lot of people whose, whose faith takes a beating every day. If you're a student, it takes a beating through education. If you're a, uh, and, and culture, our culture is a, is an all out attack on faith. It takes a beating in the media by those who are, who are opposed to faith, but also by those who are, who are uh, trying to point out and create a controversy. Uh, they're trying to attack your faith by turning us into victims. Uh, victims are very rarely confident of anything. That's why they become victims. And, you know, they teach us to fight for things that maybe we're not supposed to fight for. The mission of the church has never been the transformation of of culture. Uh, it is the legacy of the church that changes culture. Uh, that's our legacy, but it's not our mission. Our mission is to make disciples who make disciples and see transformation. And so um, when you talk about this whole idea of living in community, the one another's, the uh, idea that that uh, it, there's an in, there's a, a a humbling process of looking somebody in the eye to say I'm not in charge here I'm actually the recipient of grace or it's a mutual reciprocity uh, back and forth. Um, talk to me a little bit about how that builds a confident faith in other people. Uh, I hope I can answer this. Um, it's true that. Um, especially if we look nowadays, we can see ways that our faith is under attack in the culture and in the media. I'm listening to a great podcast right now called Truth Over Tribe. I don't know if you're familiar with them, Leonard. I love those guys. And the uh, current episode is talking about culture wars and the and how, you know, there are different responses to how we should um, look at the ways the Christian faith is is uh, quote unquote attacked, and um, I want to be careful. A couple of things, but one of the things I want to say is that one of the things that culture warriors forget, and I I, I remember back in the eighties, we were boycotting everything. We were, <laughs> you know, I mean, if Jerry Falwell said to do it, we we didn't. He he said jump. We just asked how high, or the American Family Association, or James yeah. Dobson. Yeah, and uh, those are men of God, and I and and I don't want to disparage them. And they were doing what they believed to be the best thing at the time, uh, using the right tactics. But I think what a lot of Christians forgot and still forget today is that. Uh, behind the culture wars, cultures are made up of people and yeah. people are made in the image of God and they're people that Jesus died for. Yeah. And so uh, to me, one of the ways that we quote fight the culture wars is to just be people who reflect Jesus accurately, mm. who can speak truth in love. Uh, you know, I, Paul talks about as we, and, and when Paul's saying it, it's in a sentence saying, so speaking truth in love, it's it's kind of implied that we're going to speak truth, but we need to do it in love. Yeah. Uh, John says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Yeah. Uh, we need to that have we need to have both of those. Um, but just remembering that these are people that Jesus died for yeah. uh, can help us in how we interact with them. Um, but Christianity's always been under attack. It's, you know, America is such a unique place in terms of the the place of Christian thought and activity. Um, And of course, there's debates of whether or not this was ever a Christian nation. I don't know the answer to that. Um, People can argue to their blue in the face of whether or not it is. Um, 
but uh, this podcast just this morning pointed out that um, our our second and third presidents were not Orthodox Christians, right? Uh, and that at, at that time during the Revolutionary times, only about ten percent of the American population went to church. Yeah, yeah. It was a very secular time, um, and um, so. Um, just understanding that history that, you know, Christian ideals, Christian thoughts have never been totally popular. Yeah. Um, and our ideals and our standards and our beliefs on what is sin, what is not, um, you know, they've never been universally accepted by everybody in our country. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we just need to be ready, in my opinion, that making sure that our own personal convictions are scripture-based, not culture-based, that that what we believe is based on our own personal view of scripture or our own study of scripture, not just what the politicians and the preachers have told us to believe. Right. Uh, we need to be able to defend our faith, um, but with grace and truth. First uh, mm. Peter says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have, yet with gentleness and respect, so that those who slander you may be ashamed of their slander, um, mm. will have no excuse. First um, Timothy, Paul says, hey, Timothy, be an example of goodness and doctrine and so that um, so that no one can say anything negative about you. Right. Um, so it all comes down to modeling Jesus, uh, who spoke truth, didn't shy away from it, but did it in love. Yeah. And um, yeah. So I, I don't know if that answered your question or not. No, that's a great answer. I think there's an encouragement in there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears a little bit with us here. Uh, you've mentioned uh, probably half a dozen times at least the idea of modeling Jesus. You've talked about reflecting Jesus to others so they get an accurate picture of Him. Um, you talked about people bearing the image of God. You've talked about the need to have uh, grace and truth. Uh, uh, not separate ends of an equation, but literally the grace and truth become the tip of the spear for everything we do. Uh, that's what we lead with. And um, with those things, you have a heart for, for seeing disciples make disciples for that, that movement. Can you give us just, and you, and you also run an organization called discipleship uh, DNA. And yeah. can you give us a little bit of information about, first of all, how that heart formed in you? And second of all, what is it that uh, that ministry does? Okay. So the genesis the, or the germs, I guess, of the of this idea came while I was pastoring. Mm. Um, being bivocational, you just cannot do everything. Mm. You just can't. And I was in a congregation that had certain expectations of pastors that they did everything. You know, and, uh, you know, they did all the house visitation, all the hospital visitations. They they uh, chaired all the meetings. They attended every function. They oh, my goodness, you know, um, and they were willing to be interrupted to pray for great, great Aunt Edna's sick cat um, at the drop of a hat, you know, and and they could be interrupted at mealtime. And uh, I've heard horror stories of pastors who lived in parsonages when people would just come in and just literally in the middle of the night, open the place up and come to make sure the pastor was taking care of the parsonage, right? You know, and <laughs> oh my goodness. But um, uh, Ephesians 4 talks about that. It says that God has called pastors and teachers, evangelists, um, and all these people, he called them to equip the body to do the works of ministry. So part of the pastor's job is to equip his people to make disciples to to visit the sick all those works of ministry to feed people uh and a pastor even a full-time pastor doesn't have time to do everything that a lot of congregations have expected them to do and now part of that is the church's fault i mean and pastors have let themselves become um people who are are, are expected to do that and they didn't push back enough and just say you know i i can't do that and frankly i'm there are some areas I'm very weak in. Like if somebody came to me for counseling or, or marriage counseling, I handed them the card of somebody else because I just couldn't do it well. Right. <clears throat> and uh, you would not want me to help you 
you know, in a troubled marriage. Uh, it just wouldn't work well. But I had a guy come to me and complain because uh, I'm more of an evangelistic person. Uh, I'm not much of a shepherd kind of a person. But this guy came up to me and he said, you know, you need to basically stop being an evangelistic person and you need to become a shepherd. And I said, why? And uh, he says, you need to be, um, you know, visiting people more. And I said, well, why don't you do it? You're gifted at it. It's it's obviously something you have a heart for. Why don't you do it? No, no, that's not my job. It's That's the pastor's job. I had a, a lady on my board one time say that I need to be in everybody's home every year, at least once a year. And I'm like, well, you show me that in scripture and I'll do it. And yeah. of course, that's where that conversation ended because yeah. it's not in there. A lot of people's expectations of pastors are not scriptural and in fact are burdensome and unreasonable. But um, if we can help people see that that God has gifted them, if you're a believer, you have spiritual gifts. It may be one, it might be two, it might be seven, I don't know. But he has gifted you and equipped you to do things for his kingdom. Yeah. Um, he's given you some tools and he wants you to use them for his glory and for the sake of his kingdom and for the sake of the people around us who are dying without Jesus because we're stuck uh, in our own little cloister. So uh, that's kind of been burning in me for years. Um, as I mentioned, I was part of the navigators ministry in college and boy, that's a discipleship push. I mean, those guys, that, that, that's their thing. And I'm grateful for that. And they point out Jesus great commission. Uh, and, and one of the teachings I got, uh, well, probably 20 plus years ago was that, and, and I'm surely you've heard this too, that when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, the command is actually to make disciples. The command right. isn't to go. The, in fact, if, uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm taking other people's word for it here, but the translation is actually, as you are going, right. make disciples. The and going the is implied. Is that, yeah. yeah. And so the implication is that we're already going, whether it be to work or to other countries or to foreign nations, or, or just in the neighborhood. Yeah. As we're going about living for Jesus, we need to make disciples. That is the command. And he didn't give that command to just pastors. He gave that command to the church. Yeah. And if you're a believer in Jesus, it's because other people have taken that command seriously for the last 2,000 years and have been faithful about helping other people find Jesus and live for him. Mm -hmm. It's our turn. Whether you're a new person or whether you're like me or, or looking 60 in the face here and, you know, I still need to make disciples. And I and so my heart is to help people within the congregation catch that fire and become equipped to either lead somebody to Jesus and help them get established in their walk or help a new believer and get them established in their walk. And, and then, uh, you know, there's so many programs out there there's so many materials but just getting them established just saying look here's how you pray here's how you here's how you read your bible uh you know this isn't like any other book you've ever seen in your life you need to, you know there's ways to read this and and uh, here's a church man these people love you and they want to help you grow in jesus and they want to just love you you know yeah. um here's how um you can help other people find jesus and so many people think that that's just the pastor job or the small group leader's job. And it's not, it's our job. It's all of our job. Right. And that's where my passion is at this point. Uh, I started a, a company two or three years ago called Discipleship DNA. Uh, I called it that because I want this focus to become part of a church's fabric of their very being. I want churches to automatically, when somebody comes to faith through the ministry of that church, that somebody automatically jumps in and says, let me help you get established in your walk with Jesus, that it's yeah. just something that happens as part of the church. It's not something that's assigned or it's just a small group thing. It's no, Hey, that guy just came to Jesus. I think I'm going to take him to breakfast tomorrow yeah. Um, yeah. and help them get established in their walk. And so I want it to be part of who they are. So I've come up with a, a curriculum um, to help churches do that, to train churches to do that. Um, one of my failings is that I'm not very good at marketing and things like that. So 
um, and I'm revising those works. So uh, I'm trying to get, so I'm redoing those materials right mm -hmm. now. We're going to be putting them out again here, hopefully later in the next two or three months, maybe four months. Um, but I want to make it easy, even cheap for yeah. churches to just be able to train their people yeah. because this is kingdom stuff. Um, and, uh, I want the average person in a congregation to be able to have an impact in somebody's life for eternity. Mm. Man, I, I really appreciate that. And do you have a website that, uh, they can find your, find you on? Yes, they can. Uh, but I'll warn you, it's being reconstructed right now. Um, it's discipleship DNA, one word, discipleshipdna.com. Uh, now if you go to that website now, you'll see, um, there's, we're talking about how to become a disciple making church and all of that mm -hmm. is still true, but we're re reworking the materials. Um, part of the ministry has also spawned my own podcast. Uh, that podcast is called living beyond your memes, M E M E S. Um, I'm trying to help Christians get beyond pat answers and talking points to really have, uh, Christ honoring Christ reflecting interactions with people, whether they agree with you or not. Um, so that's part of the discipleship DNA tent ministry, so to speak. Um, uh, I'm writing some e-resources right now that will probably be free. I'm, I'm finishing up one on pulpit supply right now, mm -hmm. a, a short booklet on that. I, I do pulpit supply, um, and I would love it, uh, to be able to give people resources on how to do that. Well, uh, I'm coming up with a series of e-resources called Christ like dot, dot, dot. Right. Um, and it's going to be on different topics, like Christ like employees christ-like employers christ-like um money management although i don't claim to be dave Bur uh dave ramsey or larry burkett just small things or christ-like customer service mm. um things like that and so all of that will get onto the website eventually here but uh if you want a good idea of where the heart of, of this ministry is you can go to that website and uh, you'll see at the top website being revised all that sort of stuff come back but what you may not see on there, because I can't remember where we're at on it, is if you want to contact me, um, and I believe my contact information is there on the website, uh, I would love to just send you what we've done in the past with that with the materials that we sent. And I would love people's input on how we can improve that material on how to help mm -hmm. churches become disciple-making factories. And Leonard, you gave so much great input when those materials were first coming out. I specifically sent them to you because I knew uh, you have a heart for this. You, you've got uh, experience publishing things and writing things, and you gave me some great input. I hope you will see that reflected if you take a look at them uh, now. But if people want to become involved in helping me um, present materials in a way that will impact churches, I would be thrilled to send it to you um, just to get input because we want this to be good. We want it to be educational. We want it to be relatable. We want it to be usable for yeah. any church to be able to help people make disciples, uh, within their congregation, no matter what their role is in the church and in yeah. the community. No, that's so good. And I would say, um, if you go to that website, don't let under construction, uh, discourage you bookmark it. Is there a place to sign up for an email? on there um if not um, that's a hint probably <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. um but uh we're not sending anything out regularly yeah. right now email wise uh because uh we're actually just kind of reconstructing the whole ministry right. right now but if you uh if you go to the website in fact i'll just give you my email right now too if you want to be part of that uh, my email is brian.lacroix that's b-r-i-a-n dot l a C R O I X as an X-ray at discipleshipdna.com. That'll just come right to me. And uh, I will gladly send you what I've got, uh, the, the current printed materials in a PDF form. And uh, I would love for your input on that. Um, good, bad. Otherwise, just be gracious. Speak the truth. <laughs> you know, if you think yeah. this is, you know, if you see something in there that you just think is totally stupid at least say that lovingly you know yeah yeah um but um and if you do that if you give me some input um then when we re-release -re these materials 
And uh, if you want these materials for your church, I will give them to you and your church free for as long as the ministry exists. Um, I love it. I love it. Because uh, I, I want your help. And I want to, in a sense, reward you for that help. And, and thank you for that by giving you free access to any of that. Um, because I, I just need that help. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. And I value other people's input. So. Absolutely. I love, I love, um, I would encourage you if, uh, anybody listening right now, um, click on their website, bookmark it, uh, check back often. Uh, I'm, I'm going to suggest, and if he hasn't already thought of this, uh, when that website is up and going, uh, send out a, a grand opening email so people can be encouraged to check back whenever you release something new, do the same yeah. as well. Um, I know great thing is I've got, I've got professional people working on the website, so it'll actually get done. Excellent. Uh, it's yes. not me trying to type. Oh, you don't want that either. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, not a very techie guy. <laughs> I'm the same, but way. it'll be done and it's going to be great. <laughs> Good. I'm excited about it. Um, I always wrap up our conversations and I'm so grateful to have uh, had you here, uh, with this question. Um, who are the who are the yeses that you stand on? You and I are a byproduct of someone else saying yes and someone else saying yes and someone else saying yes. And our lives are built literally on the yeses of others who have said yes to God in one way or another. Uh, we can go back 2000 years and know that there was 120 people in a room who said yes. And the Holy Spirit came. Uh, we know that there were 3000 who responded and said yes. And we know that uh, the church multiplied again and again. Um, today, you and I stand on some yeses of people that uh, we can point to and say, it was this person, it was this navigator, it was this college roommate. Uh, it was So um, tell me the yeses that uh, Brian LaCroix stands on, and um, we'd love to hear that. Glad to do that. God has used some many wonderful people. Um, there was a janitor in my high school named Clifford who... Uh, uh, would share the gospel with people and pin them against a wall, almost literally, to tell them about Jesus. So he got in trouble with it for that a few times, and and I kind of blew him off. I, I kind of was a, was a friendly guy to him, but being a good Catholic, you know, uh, I just thought I'd be a good guy, friendly. But uh, but he would tell me about Jesus, and and he was a good guy, and that kind of planted some seeds. Oh, but yes. it was that guy in my dorm room, a uh, dorm floor, Stuart Skur. I'm a great guy. I just love him to death. Who befriended me as a lonely freshman and took me to that concert that I mentioned earlier and who discipled me and followed me uh, to make sure that I was established in a relationship with Jesus and was involved with the campus ministry who would help me to grow to the yeah. point where I could move on after college and live for Jesus. So Stuart was one of the big ones. Uh, I had a great pastor during college and after college, Joe Kola, and uh, and his wife Don were instrumental in helping me um, not just live for Jesus, but also to minister. Uh, he would take me out on his Wednesday night evangelism visits. You know, yeah. uh, back in the '80s when that was cool and accepted. You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, just seeing him interact with people was a blessing to me. Um, fun guy, people loved him. Uh, another pastor at that church was Sam. Sam Crabtree. Now, Sam uh, moved on later to work uh, for John Piper mm -hmm. uh, as his executive pastor. And uh, Sam was a great guy who became a personal mentor for me during my, his time at my church mm -hmm. uh, and even later in life. Uh, loves Jesus, loves people. I just I love that guy to death. And he mm -hmm. he was a guy that God used to not just mentor me, but at times to speak difficult things into mm -hmm. my life that I needed to hear that I probably wouldn't have heard from anybody else. So Sam Crabtree, love him to death. Um, the pastor of my church, when God called me to ministry, um, was Tim Purcell. And when I said, Lord, uh, I said, Tim, I think, or Pastor Tim, I, I said, I think God's calling me to ministry. Here's what happened the other day. And he goes, yeah, that sounds like the Lord. <laughs> and uh, um, he says, in fact, if you really believe that's what God's telling you to do, then we'll finance your education wow. through our church. We'll pay for your courses. Uh, and then uh, when I was the interim pastor of a church, 
He said, what are they paying you every week to go up 100 miles every week and preach twice a day? Oh, this is what they're paying me. He goes, that's not enough. I'm going to call him. <laughs> and so he called him and said, you need to pay this guy more. He's driving 100 miles every week and he, he's got a family. You know, you got you, you got to be nice to him. Yeah. Uh, really, he was a good advocate. Um, so those are the main guys um, yeah. that, and my district superintendent, Isaac Smith, uh, yeah. that man who stepped in during that conflict, said yes to me a lot. Mm. And, uh, and of course, there continue to be people. My boss said yes to me. Yeah. <laughs> when I applied yeah. for a job and it's a great job. And I, uh, you know, I don't know where his relationship with Jesus is yet, but we've developed a friendship that I think down the road, I'm going to be able to talk with him and just really see where he's at mm. with him. So yeah. a number of people I could go on and on, but um, mm -hmm. I'm grateful for the people that God has put into my life over the years. Um, and I can't thank him enough for those mm -hmm. people. So open yourself up people to, letting people influence you for him. Yeah. That's a great word. That is a great word. Um, I want to say thank you, Brian, for joining us. That is a great way to finish. Open yourself up to letting other people influence you for him. We have had a great conversation and um, I'm excited that when this drops, uh, people will hear it. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you're listening, to check out uh, in the show notes, uh, Brian's resources and connections. Reach out to him. Be an encouragement to him uh, because I know he's been an encouragement to us today. That's all we got for Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and we'll see you next time.